Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 22 of the Engage podcast. We are so excited to have you. As a reminder, Engage stands for Educators Networking, Growing, and Guiding Enrichment. You've got three educational leaders that are here to support your growth uh, as an educator, as a leader. Uh, this is Free PD, folks, and we are excited that you have joined us. Uh, welcome to the fellas. Uh, we are back on the grind and ready to share and learn and have a have a great evening. Have a great evening. So, uh, my name is Demetrius Ball, and I want to welcome my co-hosts, David McGuire and Dr. Rashawn Smith. And let me uh, start off. Let's start off with uh, with, with the check-in, guys, before we get into our today's topic. And uh, after we check in, I'll talk about our topic, and, and we can welcome there. David, where you at, man? Let's see. Let's hear. Man, look. Uh, first of all, what's up, people? Glad to be back. We on this little monthly kick, and it's for a reason, right? It gives us time to not only just grow and develop as leaders, but it gives us time to really think and marinate on content. Uh, we always come up with a topic right before we end the show, and then we get we give ourselves a month to marinate on. So excited about this one, man! Things are good, man. My baby's happy. She's healthy. Uh, New teacher started this week, so was leading some PD, which was great. Um, and then the teachers return on Monday, and then school starts August 9th. And so ready to kick off the 2021-2022 school year. And, uh, yeah, just, man, listen, just happy, man. Just, I'm in a good mood, man. So it's going to be a good show. That's, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Doc, before you go, David, did you, did you get a break at all this summer, man? Because you've been on the grind, like, on, on the socials. Hey, You've been grinding on the weekends, recruiting. Like this is what I told somebody. Still... When's your break? I said my break is October. Fall break is my birthday week, so I'm gonna grind till October. Fall break falls on the bro- birthday week, and then that's when I'll take a break. But I got I got some energy, man. We we got work to do. You know, last year and a half or so of school has been crazy. So we we just got a we got an opportunity this uh this upcoming school year. So I wanted to capitalize on it. I love it, man. I love it. Doc, how you doing, sir? I'm good, bro. Uh, hold on one sec. I can go while, while Doc is putting his thing together. My fault. I have to take so, Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I have some technical difficulties. Okay. Um, you know, I just started back uh, to school on Monday, and I'm excited to be back. We are, you know, in a, in a grind, and uh, it's it's getting started, uh, getting ramped up. We we had a um, uh, admin retreat started today, continues tomorrow, and really um, providing a new vision for the district this year, which in turn leads to a new vision and focus for our school site. And, and I'm excited for the opportunity. Uh, we, we were gonna have some changes on our campus. We're gonna have some new teachers, some new staff. And, and man, you know, almost more than, more than half of my kids, it's gonna be their first time on campus this year. So, um, you know, we're ramped up, we're fired, fired up and ready to go. Um, enjoy my little time off, a couple weeks and uh, ready to get back at it. Um, and man, I gotta get on. I gotta get on these leadership retreats, man. I've been on social media, man, and I've seen a lot of schools taking these leadership retreats, man. I, I might have to build that into the budget next year, man. Because 
not only does it look like it's been a lot of fun, but I've seen, I've heard of folks getting a lot of work done when you kind of away from your city, away from your school district, and just kind of away with your leadership team. Is that kind of what y'all did, Ball? Just we got it, got away from a place to get some work done, or was it? Yeah, actually, it, it, it's in town, but we're off site. Uh, we're off site, and really, um, the the district. Uh, administrative leadership team, you know, put together. Uh, we, we've got a new strategic focus this year and, you know, coming out of the pandemic and um, our superintendent, this is his second full year. He started in the midst of a pandemic and didn't really get to do the things that he he came here to do. And so he's laid that foundation beginning with us. Um, it's offsite, you know, lots of socialization and, and small group work as a site and, and working with other um, school leadership, uh, other schools in our district. Um, but yeah, you know, I see a lot of the, the um, retreats offsite. And, you know, I know Doc had his this summer where he was with his uh, leadership team and those look amazing. And I, and I think that's something that we're going to build in as well. Um, you know, I've got a small leadership team, but, you know, just, just getting out and kicking it and, and, and dig, digging into the learning uh, outside of, of school is, is, is a good thing. We need Tinley to cut that check next year. <laughs> Hear that? Uh, so what's up, fellas? So what's up, fellas? Sorry, I had a little technical difficulties. I'm, uh, you know, I'm geeked to be back in the building uh, with y'all. Before I get to my summer explorations and you know, kicking off the school year and all that, uh, I had a very stressful day yesterday. So um, in my adult life, so I'm gonna count that as about 23 odd years or so. I've had four barbers, four barbers, and my barber, who I've had for the last six years towards ACL. So I had to go to a new barber yesterday and I was stressed. When I tell people, I tell people this all the time that a dude will cheat on his girl before he cheat on his barber. Uh, so it, it was a stressful day for me yesterday, but the barber got me right. He, he you know, he got me right. So uh, I'm gonna use it for two months and then I'm getting back to my boy once his ACL is good to go. So, uh, but y'all talking about leadership retreat. So we actually had- uh, Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, for, for the record. <laughs> I. I will cheat on my barber before I cheat on my girl if I get one. That is not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not, you go, hey man, you know I'm on Put a new out there, bro. God is dope. Anyway, carry on, bro. Yeah, I'm gonna let you believe that. Uh, so uh, we had we had day one of our uh, leadership retreat today. Uh, we actually are in, in three different locations. So today we was at the Museum at Prairie Fire um, out over on the Kansas side. So it was all the, all the district uh, administrators was over there. Um, today, we just talked a lot about curriculum and instruction, did a kind of a quick review of last year's work, but really just talked about what the focus was going to be this year, what we can do uh, moving forward this year. Had some good team builders, um, got a lot of new team people on the, on the team. You know, my admin team next year is going to be a new admin team. So it was a good time to bond with them and connect with them. Uh, then tomorrow, we're actually going to be at another location. Um, and that's kind of when we do all the logistical stuff. So, you know, you find out what your operation budget going to be, your Title One budget, all that good stuff, um, what HR is doing, um, you know, nutritional services, things like that. And then Friday, the last day of the retreat is always my fun, the funnest day because it's law day. Um, but the good thing about law day is we usually have a little after work retreat put on by, or after work little get together put on by the law firm. So I'm super excited to see what we're going to be doing with that there. Um, but other than that, my summer's been good, man. You know, a couple weeks ago, I was down in Cancun. I uh, got a chance to get away and recharge, just trying to check out. Um, spent every morning watching the sunrise over the beach. So it, it was a good time. So now I'm, I'm super excited for the school year to kick off. I'm super excited about the type, topic today. You know, we always talk about instructional leadership. 
um, over building managers. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to dig into that there. And then shout out to everybody that's in the audience. You know what I'm saying? Go ahead and check in. Let us know where you're checking in from. Also, go ahead and uh, tag somebody and share this so we can get some people on today to get this free PD. That's right. You know, thank you to, to Auntie Toya, uh, Dr. Dr. Lucy. Uh, in the comments so far, please like, share. Don't just share. Write a post. Uh, just say, you know, what we're doing out here today. Um, you know, this free PD. Um, so, fellas, let's 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 get into today's topic a little bit. And uh, you know, uh, as you said, David, at the beginning, you know, we use we're we're spacing out our podcasts and and doing it monthly so we can dig in a little bit more. Um, but last episode, we had a conversation about how we maintain with uh, families and what they can do to keep their kids engaged in the summer. And so um, at the end of the conversation, you know, we're, we're digging in. And uh, one of our faithful listeners, William Conrad, you know, you see him making comments and sharing on eight black hands, but he joined, he's, he's part of the family. And he said, where do y'all stand as principals as master teachers. So we are going to get into instructional leadership today. So, you know, that that's our emphasis. I mean, this is this is a huge topic and I'm sure there are several different takes on this because you have some places where the leaders principals are considered instructional leaders and they're grown in the district and put in spots or they grow in a, in a district and they move to another spot. But you have some areas where um, schools like to pull in folks from uh, outside of education to come and lead their schools. And so there's a couple of different philosophies that go along with principals and school leaders and what their role is. Should I be a CEO and you know, be directing traffic or should I be the one out front that is actually leading instructions? So fellas, you know, let's let's start off talking a little bit about that um, your leadership philosophy and your approach to leading your schools. Doc, let's start with you. So, so for me, man, it goes back to when I did my master's program in administration, and every class that I took during that time, no matter if it was instructional focus or if it was building focus, like HR, finance, things like that. Every one of those classes at the University of Nebraska, they always start out by telling us at the end of the day, you are the instructional leader of that building. So while you are responsible for all these making sure all these other things happen, never lose sight of what the goal is of your job. And that's to educate kids. So you might be good at doing master scheduling. You might be good at, you know, managing buses and discipline, all that. But at the end of the day, can you go into a classroom and help a teacher with tier one, tier two instruction? on a daily basis, no matter what the content area is. And that's the thing that I, you know, I've, ever since I've been an administrator, I try to hang my hat on is that I want to make sure I'm an instructional leader and I'm leading my staff down a path where we are focusing on good instruction at the forefront. And I'm a firm believer that if you got good instruction and engaged kids, a lot of those other things will take care of themselves. You ain't going to have a lot of discipline issues if you got kids are highly engaged, understanding what the purpose of they're doing in that class is. So I'm a firm believer in instructional leadership. While understanding how to do some of the building manager stuff is important, that is not the primary responsibility for the person whose name is at the bottom of that letter here for that school. That's a great point. And, and Doc, can you can you talk to us a little bit about your journey? Because you know you you didn't just come right from the classroom 
into assistant principal and, and principal roles. Talk to us about, um, you know, how, how that's pulled into, um, you know, your, your journey, how your journey has led to that yeah. instructional leadership piece. So basically, uh, you know, for to begin with, I'm a math teacher by trade. So that's why I started out teaching. I um, started out teaching both middle high school math. I did everything from seventh grade math all the way through being an adjunct professor teaching college algebra. Um, so that's kind of where, where I started at. Um, my first role outside the classroom was an instructional coach. Um, and that probably was the best year of my educational career because it really forced me outside the box and forced me to change my philosophy on how things should happen in the classroom. And what happened that year was not only was I working with a group of math teachers, I was also asked to work with social studies teachers and two subjects can't be too further apart than math and social studies. So what it forced me to do was really find out, okay, I can't really go in and talk to these teachers about content and curriculum, but I can talk to them about what good instruction looks like. So I started to you know, reach out to some of my mentors um, like Cynthia Hollingshed, who was one of the, the literacy coaches in our district, who taught me a lot about different reading strategies and things like that there. Um, I started to reach out to other people talking about Marzano instructional strategies and started to invest time in learning myself what does good instruction look like no matter what the content area is? So when you can't talk to a teacher about content or you're outside your content area, can you still talk about what good instruction look like? Can you talk about, you know, different ways to group students? Can you talk about different ways, uh, attention getters, you know, uh, class starters? Do you talk about transitions and different things like that? So that a year as an instructional coach really helped me. Um, kind of start that path of being an instructional leader. And then from there, I became an assistant principal, which I did that for five years. And the district I was in at the time, they had started to invest in some of the Marzano work. And so we got, you know, some of the best PD over a three-year period, um, not just in-house where they were coming to us from Learning Science Institute, coming to the district to help us with instructional strategies around the Marzano approach. Um, for about three summers, we went down to Florida to the Better, uh, Building Expertise Conference, which I have now continued with my staff at my new school, taking staff to that every summer. The last two years has been virtual, unfortunately, but really digging into what good instruction looks like. How do we enhance some of the Marzano instructional strategies. How do we take a teacher from a, a novice to an expert in a systematic way that improves upon their instruction from a planning and then execution purpose? So um, that year as an instructional coach really is what kind of changed my, my trajectory in education when I was able to step outside of my content area and really dig into what instructional strategies look like, no matter if it's math, ELA, science, gym, health, no matter what, so. Awesome, thanks for that, Doc. David. How about you, sir? Talk to us about that philosophy that you have as an educational leader. It's uh, it's it's changed over over time. So I think I started, and you know, I, I want to be a, just a good leader, right? Just a great leader. I think now, you know, it's that 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 saying about sending the elevator back down. But for me now, it's about keeping the seat warm, right? So in leadership, man, when you go through something, and you know, we we. We, we can be honest when, when, when you, when you get to a leadership position young, I was 20, 27 when I became a principal and I was young and didn't really understand the magnitude and the seriousness of that position and almost found myself losing it in that space where I was, where I was growing and developing. I realized that this ain't just about me. This is about the next black male. So those that know I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana, you know, Black male teachers, black male leaders, especially when you get into principal roles, aren't really that common. So when you get when you get that opportunity as a black male, you have an obligation to send the elevator back down, but you also have a bigger obligation to keep the seat warm. You have to make sure you don't close the door 
or lose the seat for the next one coming after you. So this idea of leadership, man, it's a lifestyle. So you got to balance that both professional and personal lifestyle. So for me, balancing, I'm a principal of a school. So they'd be like, well, when you leave the school, you're your own person. It's like, no, you're a leader wherever you go, when, whatever you're doing. So Joe Blow can drive, get a ticket. No big deal. Drunk driving. Don't make the news. Dave McGuire, the principal of Tinley Summit, gets pulled over driving drunk. That's a newsworthy story. So this leadership, man, it's a lifestyle. And it's, it's more about working on how you improve yourself instead of fixing other people. So for me, it's like constantly developing and trying to improve myself. But my philosophy is simple. I got to make sure I keep the seat warm and keep the door open for the next person. And that's just always been my philosophy because somebody kept the seat warm for me. Somebody opened the door for me and I have an obligation to do it for the next person. Um, and so it, it's, it's more of a personal journey now for me about just making sure that I do my part for the profession. Absolutely. I mean, we have a huge responsibility as uh, educational leaders, not just for ourselves, not just for the folks that we work with, but the folks that are coming behind us. And, you know, we've had multiple conversations about the example that we set uh, for, for those around us. And, you know, for me, I feel like, you know, leadership is something that I've grown up in, it had not necessarily uh, just focused on education. You know, I, I, I talk about my experience uh, growing up and, you know, as a as an oldest child and the oldest grandkid, you know, always been putting those positions uh, to, to lead your younger cousins and things like that. And then just kind of naturally growing up and playing in sports, I ended up, you know, being a leader on the field or on the court or in the track and all those types of things and had the great opportunity to to go to the U.S. Military Academy. And really, you know, that's an incubator for leadership and leaders uh, of character going into the army and leading, um, you know, men and women and, and soldiers uh, out, out in combat. And so I've grown up uh, as a leader and, you know, leadership is leadership. And I, I think you know my transition into education, and we've talked we talked about that in our episode, um, not eleven Veterans Day and everything. But um, you know, it, it's always been for me to set the example, set the tone. Um, you know, build a team of of those around you that can, um, you know, they can be masters in their particular area, and just kind of set the tone. Um, a couple of years ago, we did Clifton Strength Finder uh, as a as a district leadership at our leadership retreat. And uh, uh, two of the things, my top two uh, for anyone that's that's uh, familiar with those were uh, under influ influencing category as a maximizer, and in the relationship category as a developer. And from my understanding, the the guy that came and explained Clifton uh, Strength Finder is like that is a very unique uh, combination, and basically. That's the type of leadership style that grows people, puts people in the right position. And, you know, I'm, I'm a sports, sports guy. So I think of, you know, like the quarterback, the point guard and all those types of things, you know, the coach on the field. And uh, I've evolved as a leader in education, you know, first of all, thinking, you know, I am a um, a servant leader. And, and I think, you know, that's all all part of leadership is being a servant leader, you know, doing things, you know, you're not going to ask folks to do things that you're not going to do yourself, but much more so I feel that I am in a spot, as you mentioned, David, to bring people up. I, I think about all my teachers and you think about those teacher leaders that you have on your campus or those folks that don't even see themselves as teacher leaders, but it's part of my responsibility to put them in a place 
to grow them, grow their capacity. And so that's something that's constantly in my mind. And I see several opportunities um, with when it comes to students, when it comes to staff, even when it comes to, to parents, uh, to, to grow them as leaders here on our campus, to influence the experiences that we have and make it better for everyone. So that's kind of where I'm at as, as a leader is I'm trying to grow those around me on my campus to put them in the right positions to grow and just make more leaders. Man, that, that idea of making, making more leaders, right? Do you, but do you, do you find yourself, do, do people naturally come to you and say, Hey, you know, principal, I want to be a leader, or is it something that you see in them and you, you like, look, I see leadership in you and you try to pull it out. Cause I, I'm struggling with that piece. I got a lot of leaders that I think a lot of teachers that I believe can be leaders, a lot of folks that I know can be leaders in my building, but they just don't, they don't see it in their mind yet. Right. They don't, they don't feel it. They don't see the value that they have. So, and that goes for both of y'all. Like, are you, are these leaders coming to you saying, you know, I want to grow, I want to develop as a leader, or is it something that you're seeing in them and you're pulling it out? I think it's a combination of both. I think, but the, but the real, tell of a leader is the one that is looking because just like you said there's folks that that you see that potential in them Mm -hmm. and part of our job is to notice that and and pull it out of them and so um i'm 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 looking for it you know folks come to me and i I think that's part of the relationship component is showing yourself and communicating like hey you know i'm here to put you in a good spot in the best spot possible and uh, there are a couple folks on my staff that i'm like you know what I want to put you in a position, like maybe not this year, maybe next year. And, and the, there are a couple of folks that I'm thinking of right now that I have been jotting notes down about, hey, I want to put you in a leadership position next year. What are the steps that I need to take? What are the steps that we can take to get you there? And they may not want to do it. They may want to do it. But uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, that's the, the ultimate tell of a leader is, is what you're willing to do to help your folks move. Uh, forward, identify and identify them. I think for me, uh, it's something that I, this for me is something that I learned this past school year. Um, like I said, I think it's, it's a combination of both. Those people that come to you and say, "Hey, I want to kind of develop my leadership capacity and abilities," and then the people that you see those abilities, capacities, and that you want to put, you know, give them opportunities to kind of help them discover it as well. Um, but the first thing I look for is. How do you take feedback and do you have a growth mindset? You know, because if you can't be a reflective practitioner and be able to take feedback and then implement that feedback, then it, that's, you know, you, it's going to be a downfall for you as a leader. You know, and that's one of the things that I, I push with my admin team, with my leadership team, is that we have to be, first of all, reflective practitioners in the work that we do, especially when we're asking for feedback from our staff or the people that, you know, our stakeholders, because you may think you're doing an amazing job. But when that feedback come back, when that survey data come back mm-hmm. saying that you're not, you got to be able to accept that. You have because perception is reality. So no matter how well I think I am as a great leader, but if my staff come back and say, well, you know what? We feel like that you allow clicks to take place in the school or we feel like you only interact with certain people on the, on the staff. I have to take that as a leader and say, OK, how do I change and how do I be better so that I can make sure I reach all my entire staff? So I think. That's the thing that I look for, no matter if that's the person coming to me 
or a person I see them in is, is how do you take feedback and then how do you reflect and implement that feedback that I'm giving you? Because if a classroom teacher and I'm telling you, hey, this lesson that you're doing isn't working, here's how you can enhance it and you continue to go down that same road using that lesson the same way. How am I gonna put you in front of another teacher to give them feedback or anything like that if you're not doing, you know, if you can't take it? So, you know, it's kind of like that. You get into that whole the, the pot calling the kettle black type of mentality. Uh, and y'all talked a little bit about leaders. I just want to make sure because I, I, you know, I, I fall back on this quote a lot. Uh, the homeboy T Grizzly, the great philosopher T Grizzly, said, "I'm trying to make all my niggas bosses because that's what bosses do." That's real. <laughs> so, so real, so real. <laughs> So uh, let's let's talk. Uh, let's take that next step. You know, professional development. Um, I, I'm not following. The, the, let's see. Let me look at the comments. We got anything in the comments that, that we need to follow up on? No, nah, just, just you know, my my Toya is, is showing the love. Uh, but this this was something. This was something key, right? When you see the potential, cultivate it, but definitely get their buy-in, right? We can do all this pushing and pushing people into this leadership. And either A, they don't want it, or B, they feel like they're not ready yet, right? And so I think that last part about getting their buy-in is key because we can see it. We can put them in a position, but if they don't see it, yeah, they're not going to get anything out of it. And so you got to kind of talk to them, say, look, I see something in you. I want to put you in these positions. What are you thinking? Where do you see yourself? That buy-in from that person is key um, because if you don't have that buy-in, you're really just working for nothing. So I, I, I uh, that stood out a lot, man. I potential identify it, cultivate it, and then definitely get their buy-in. Yeah, yeah, because because you know you've got you've got natural leaders on your staff. You've got folks that um, you know they're whether they're early adopters to whatever you're trying to do, whether they just got amazing instruction and they've got amazing presence, or you know they're they're the naysayers. You know they're the ones that always gotten something negative to say. Folks are following. Folks are listening to them, and, and I think you can um, you can learn a lot. And you can do a lot when you know who those people are and put them in great positions. So, Mama Toy, I also put the comment on there. You know, some people don't want to be led. You know, I always always say you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. But you can't give it a whole bunch of salt on the way. And <laughs> <So. laughs> hey, that's some that's some no. Shannon Sharp idioms, boy, right there. Boy. <laughs> so. Uh, but like you said, you talk about the, the PD part of it. Uh, like I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a huge advocate for PD. I mean, you know, we, we do free PD here on the show. That was kind of the emphasis behind the show that we do. Um, but I'm, I'm a I'm a firm believer in, first of all, don't ask your staff to do something you're not willing to either do first or show them how to do. You know, how are you in, in today in our leadership um, in our leadership retreat? One of our model this year for our CNI work is. Um, Model, connect, and involve. So how are we as leaders first modeling the things we want teachers to do? How are we then connecting them to the work? And then how are we involving them in the work? So that model piece is we talk a lot about, you know, developing teachers and, you know, cultivating, you know, teachers, things like that. But what are we doing as leaders to, to, to develop ourselves and cultivate, cultivate our skills in order to then be able to help those around us also cultivate their skills and along the lines like that. So one of the things that I've done well, my PD is I, uh, I, I have a coach that I do get uh, that I, we contract with Better Lessons, uh, which is a third party company, um, but they have administrator coaches and um, shout out to my coach. Um, she out of St. Louis. I ain't gonna give her name because I don't want nobody trying to steal her, uh, but yeah. shout out to her. <laughs> 
Uh, but basically, we meet on like a biweekly basis, and you know, she'll she's she's that person that helps me not go chase that shiny thing over here. Like, you know, she coming to the year. What is your focus for this year? What are you trying to accomplish? So then, when she I see she like, hey, well, I see this. Over. No, 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 no. Let's 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 come back center. Let's come back center. So you know, she kind of always keeps me grounded and keep me focused on what is the goal that we're trying to accomplish at this moment. We can't be doing these one offs and chasing our tail over here and over here because we never get to the the the, uh, the meat of the matter. And then this year, I've even budgeted for me and both my assistant principals to have a coach because I just seen the value in that there. And then also, you know, what I'm saying just attending conferences. You know, um, like I said, building expertise is one of the you know the, the best conferences I've ever been to. Also, NASB, the National Alliance of Black School Educators, has some amazing, amazing breakout sessions. I believe it's in November. I think it's going to be, it might be in California this year, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so that's that's another conference that I would highly recommend, you know, leaders to, to get to uh, as well. And then like here in Missouri, we have, you know, DESE, which is our Department of Education. They have the Missouri Leadership Academy. And basically, depending on where you're at in your years as an administrator, they put you with a cohort and there's different things that you get to do. Um, with that cohort to kind of develop your skills, kind of that iron sharpens iron kind of mentality. Um, so I would also look at your state education uh, department and see what kind of cohorts or programs they have to develop leaders as well. I got a, I got a question, Doc, about, so you talked about you have you had a coach. When you think about the coach that you have out of St. Louis who you won't name, and you think about the coaching that you should get from those above you right how do you balance that for you as a person receiving that and how do you make sure that the the feedback that you get from your coach from st louis that you won't name and the coach in, that's in your district how do you align those two things because we're talking about professional development instructional leaders and sometimes you can have too many cooks in the kitchen right and right. even for yourself so how do you parse that out man to make sure that what you're getting is aligned and you're not getting mixed messages so the one thing, the good thing about my days, go ahead, go ahead, Ball. And, and one, one thing before you get started also is, do you feel like you're getting that coaching that, from yep. the folks above you? That, that, that was my soft, that was my uh, politically correct way of asking that question. That is exactly hey, what I'm He teed it up for me. He teed it up for me. So I'm, I'm going to be quite honest. In district, I don't have a coach. Now, okay. you know what I'm saying? My boss, I can go to her and get feedback on different things. But is there that person that on a week, we have a weekly set or bi-weekly set week meeting? I don't have that. So that was one of the reasons why I went this route when I found out about, you know, this possibility or whatever. Now, we have our principal's PLC. Like, for example, Dr. Harris, who's the principal at the other, the other middle school. Me and her, we kind of bounce ideas off of each other or whatever. You know what I'm saying? But do I have that, you know, that coach? But once again, also, we're a smaller district. You know what I'm saying? We're a district that has one high school, one six eight building, a K eight building, and four elementary schools. So there's not a lot of personnel to go around to have those coaching components. Bigger than mine, as That's well. Bigger than mine. <laughs> but also our our state, though, like I said, with the Department of Education, uh, Elementary and Secondary Education, Desi, they offer um, coaches as well. So if I wanted to go with them, you know, to the state department, they they would give me a coach. But more than likely, that's going to be just you know another principal who, once again, do they have the time to fully commit to what I need? as an administrator. So that's why I taught the better lessons coach, you know, like I said, who really has helped me grow in that aspect or whatever. The other good thing about my district, I think also is though, as administrators, we get to write our own professional development plan. Now we have our boss, who's the, you know, assistant superintendent of instruction and HR, who 
you know, looks it over and says, okay, this aligns with the district goals and mission and vision, all that. But we kind of are in control of where is it, what is the area that we see that we can need to grow in? And what evidence do we have to show that that's the area that we need to grow in? So, you know, what survey data, what student, you know, student achievement data that we have. And I say, okay, here's the deficit that I need to grow in. Here's what I need to get better in. And here's how I'm going to go about doing it. Here's the components I'm going to use to make that happen. So the long and short of that is I don't have an industry coach. So that's why I went with the better lessons coach. But the better lesson coach starts the school year by saying, what are the things that you're trying to achieve this school year? And then they align their work with what I'm trying to do and where I'm trying to get to. I got more. I got more questions because I, I, no, I, 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 I want to know if Ball got an industry coach, though. So that, like we, he was, we, we, was we, on my list next. Yep, I was going to you next. And, and I'm ready. Um, you know, honestly, uh, I, I don't. I don't have a coach. I've got a, a you know supervisor that you know that I lean on, but you know he's he's supervising you know seven other schools and he's got duties and responsibilities as my supervisor and, and supervisor in the district, but we don't have those weekly or bi-weekly meetings where he's, he's coaching me up. You know, it's usually like situational coaching, like, Hey, I'm dealing with this problem this week. You know, give me your insight, give me your experience and help me, help me go through this. But, you know, I, I, I say the same thing, you know, you, you have to find it. And I don't have that instructional leadership background that you got doc. So I've been, I've have to lean in and, and, you know, go, going back to, you know, coaching up and, and understanding your limitations, and your capabilities. I brought in an assistant principal that all she's done is, you know, instruction and literacy and, and, and all those things is great with data analysis. And so she's coaching me up and guess what? I have no problem being coached up because guess what? I'm doing the same thing. Like we, we had, we had our first, um, meeting on Monday, coming together as an admin team, and I'm like, hey, you know, my job is to get you in this seat as soon as you're, as soon as you're ready. And so, you know, I'm always looking for opportunities to help you grow. You've got skills. You, you, and, I, and I said to her, you know, I brought you in here because you've got a particular set of skills. And we met, and she actually brought in a, a um, an activity for us to kind of, you know, learn about each other and, and how we approach situations. And it was it was great because we were kind of like opposites. We didn't have connections. We didn't line up perfectly. And I was like, this is beautiful because you've got strengths, I've got strengths, and we're going to work together and, and we're going to put it all together and we're going to make this school, uh, you know, run like clockwork. And so, um, you know, I, I think that's another component of leadership is that humility and that understanding of who you are what you can do and what you can't do and bringing in those folks that are going to help elevate you, help elevate your school. So, um, you know, so right now what we're doing is uh, we are working with a, um, a, a contractor outside coach to help us develop a plan for uh, uh, anti-racist curriculum. Basically she's helping us put together a PD plan for, for our staff. And, you know, it, it aligns with our uh, district uh, focuses this year. So, uh, so I'm excited about that. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a new program. And so, um, it's being developed as we go through and, you know, um, I, I think as, uh, I saw Auntie Toya put in, you know, not everyone is a good coach. Um, and, you know, we're, we're working and we're learning together to, to see how, um, her coaching style meshes with us as a leadership team. So, so that coaching is key. And, um, you know, I'm here for it. But uh, again, it's, it, it, it's wild that I have to go, we have to go outside 
of our district to get that leadership. So that's, I think that's something for our listeners to think about that. Whatever role you're in, whether you're a superintendent, assistant superintendent, a classroom teacher, a principal, like when you get to that next level, how are you preparing and cultivating the field for those, again, that are coming behind you or those that you're responsible for? Look, I got my, One of the things, I got my, go ahead. I'll tell you real quick, because I want to I hit on, on, on Alex, I'm going to make this real quick and short. And it might be, we could run this back at the next episode. I know we're talking about instructional leadership at this time, but what do you do? Her question basically is, what do you do as a teacher when your leadership has high expectations, but don't provide you with the coaching? So, you know, that's a, you know the, the topic we can run back the next episode is supporting those teachers who not getting that coaching that they need in it from, you know, from the instructional leader in their building. But I was going to say, I, I got a question. I got a because that last part, I'm, I'm having a difficult time. So it says, when leadership has high expectations but not willing to help te- teach teachers. Why are you having a hard well, time? You know those, you know, you got those administrators out there like, hey, your reading scores are low. I need you to get them up. But don't tell but, you how. Don't give you the resources, the skills. You know them people out there. Yeah, but I, that don't, to me, that's not high expectations. That's just words. You're just mm. speaking. That, that's the part I was saying. Like, I, I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying you can't have high expectations if you're not willing to put something after or put work after what you just said. Your reading scores are low. Get them up. Here's how we're going to help get your reading score. Like, that's high expectations. We can spit out stuff all we want. But but if you're that classroom teacher, you're not you're not differentiating between that. Your job is on the line. My my boss is telling me I need to get the reading scores up. Those are his expectations. Even though he's not showing me how to do it, he still expects me to reach this bar. I agree. I'm gonna say this: the principals out there, if you if you're threatening a teacher's job because of reading scores, and nobody is threatening your job as the leader, mm. that's ass backwards to me. Like if if I'm a, if I when I when I threaten my teachers. That's because my job got threatened first. So we all, our asses are all on the line and we cuss them today. But the point <laughs> is, you can't, you can't put these expectations on the teacher and just like, well, look, if, if your reading scores are low, I'm going to fire you, but I keep my job. How's that? How is that possible? Like, I think that's the problem with leadership, in my opinion. So that's the part I was going to because since y'all, you know, both of y'all working on y'all doctors, I don't know if y'all got y'all dissertation topics yet, because I've worked for five different school districts and every district I've went into in those five districts, they have some kind of new teacher program where they partner that teacher with a mentor teacher and helps them groom them, get them, you know, do all that. But none of those districts do that for administrators. So mm-hmm. I would like to know, like, are there districts out there doing that? If not, maybe that's something, you know, we need to, you know, go ahead and develop, write that book and get paid on, you know, how do we create a mentor program for administrators that we can then go out and sell to districts? Hey, That's trademark, you know, too, just in case anybody listening. Just ca- and we, we, got the, we got the time, 8.09 Eastern time. But uh, so my part on that, to, and I want to go, it was uh, this piece that, that Michael put up. Superintendents and district CEOs need to be instructional leaders to their leaders. For me, it's not a, I'm going to fault them not for the fact that they're, they're not leading. So you all su- superintendents, I'm not going to fault, th- fault them for not coaching you. The part I will fault is as a superintendent, you have budget, boards, finance, all this other stuff. Then your assistant superintendents, you need to tell them your job is to coach and train leaders. That I would take offense if I was a superintendent and my principal was getting an outside coach. I tell my parents this. If you have to get an outside tutor, 
that's a that's a slap in the face to me because that's my job to fill your gap. So I feel like as a leader, that that assistant superintendent or uh, in our case, it would be the direct or elementary director or whatever. If I get an outside coach when it comes to like my job as a principal, you should see that as a slap in the face. Now, if I get a coach on me, like I have a I have a coach, but it's more about like me as a leader, as a person, not my ability to lead my school necessarily. If I get a coach for that, they should take that as a slap in the face because like that's that's your job. I've been fortunate enough that I've had the three CEOs at Tenley and all of them have been developers of me. Now, it could be the case of small network, but when I first started Tenley, we had six schools. Now we are down to three, but even when we had six, the CEO, my my director of elementary, they coached and trained me, right? And so I never had to seek that outside support. So I aspire to be the same way. That's like my teacher leaders. I'm getting them executive coaches to coach and train them, but I got them that. They didn't go out and get that in on their own because if they would have done that, to me, that's a slap in the face. So I don't fault your CEOs and your superintendents. I say they need to either empower those below them to do that for you all, or find people that can do it. Because but my thing is, go ahead. But with with CEO and superintendent, not every, not every CEO superintendent has an instructional background. You might got a superintendent who came through finance. You might got a superintendent who might have came up through facilities. So they might not have an instructional background to be able to be that coach. So therefore, you then have to go out and seek that outside, you know, assistance. Just like the teacher just said here, I got this this principal who's not really an instructional support, but have these expectations. So what do I do? You know, I can't lean on them. So what are some other options that I have? So, but but you're but you're 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 superintendent of curriculum instruction, right? Or director of curriculum instruction, right? The person above you, then that's their job, right? I'm not I'm not, I'm I'm not saying it got to be got to be the superintendent because you're right. What I'm saying is those assistant superintendent, that director of director of curriculum instruction. When you get to that level as a director of curriculum instruction, I need you to have been a principal. Not just like, yeah, you got to know curriculum, but I feel like your job is also to coach and develop a principal. That's all I'm saying. I just feel like, but shout out to your lady in St. Louis who you won't name. And I'm going to keep saying that until you drop her name. But- <laughs> we ain't dropping her name. We ain't, we ain't dropping her and, name. And, and, that, and, that's, and that's, part, that's part of leadership, just like you're saying, David. Like, you know, as a superintendent, you know, you, don't, you might not have an instructional background, but you've got people, you got to put people in place that see that, that have that vision. I mean, it, it, it's it's interesting because kind of everywhere that I've been, the five districts that I've been, you know, when I decided that I wanted to be a leader, you know, maybe my principal, you know, gave me a, a specific role or something to do on campus. But for the most part, it was it was on me to figure out what I needed to do to find opportunities to grow and, and get better and improve. And so um, I, I think it's, unfortunately, it, it's a, you know, part of the culture. It's, it's, it's not common in the culture of education to make sure that we're teaching up. I mean, and, and I'm just speaking from the public school systems that I've been a part of, um, you know, you, you, you mentor and you develop those, those teachers but not necessarily principals. Uh, I will give a shout out to San Francisco Unified that does have a program uh, for their uh, for their administrators um, even once they get into that principal spot. So um, it exists, but where's the and that's documentation? Why I, we still need to put that book together. I don't want to. I don't want to sit back and act like 
you know, th th those those leaders out there don't exist. If they did, we wouldn't have to be doing this show right now. Like you have leaders who come up that have shucked and jived their way to a role that they're not really able to fulfill, that our building managers are not instructional leaders. And henceforth, you can go probably look at their, their, their student achievement data and it's going to tell that tale. You know what I'm saying? They're probably just there to maintain or they have went down since then. So I don't act like, you know, those those leaders are out there and running schools who are telling their teachers, I need you to get these scores up, but can't show those teachers how to do it. Can't come up with a plan to take them from point A to point B. I mean, they, they exist. Yeah. Agree. I just, yeah, no, I mean, you're right, but man, I, just, I, look, I, I, I pre, you guys are an unfortunate opportunity that you can, you can go out there and you can get outside coaching, but I'm speaking, you know, just was speaking to those leaders that can't, that maybe don't have that 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 um that Rolodex of people they can lean on, like those names or, or their resource, like you have Missouri leadership, like that puts you in the right direction, right? If you don't have that and you don't know where to go and you're not getting in your district, man, it, it sucks for those leaders. And so, like, but like you said, shows like this, and what we're trying to do is we're trying to help people get that. So if you are a leader out there, whether you're watching this live or listen to this later. And you're not getting coaching in your district, hit us up at the Engage Podcast One on Twitter, Engage Podcast on Facebook, or you can email us at well, it's still the AOS Podcast at Gmail. So hit us up, man. We can point you in the right direction. It for those of you that are not getting that. So that's my commercial for the show. Yeah, and does doesn't every state, I mean, I'm I'm gonna make an assumption that doesn't every state have some type of professional organization, you know. Um, you know, that the National Association of Secondary School Principals or Elementary School Principals, and then each state has, you know, might have an affiliate or they have their own version uh, of, you know, we got CASA out here, California, uh, Administrators Association. So, you know, the, the, and those resources, that's something that you have to invest in. And, you know, I, I, I pay for it out of my, my paycheck. Um, my district doesn't, but they offer opportunities for professional development in all different leadership areas. I think one of the, the best PDs for free that I'm getting is just being on Twitter and all the stuff that comes across Twitter, you know, different Twitter chats and things like that there. So I think if you if you are in education, especially educational leadership, and you are not actively engaged in, on Twitter, you're missing out on some free PD right there alone because there's articles posted. There's, you know, free webinars that's posted. There's Twitter chats that's posted. There's a lot of professionals out there, many of them we've done had on this show as guests mm -hmm. who are giving out resources and helping you get the things that you need that can help connect you and put you in the right direction. So that would be my, you know, my piece is that if you're not actively engaged on Twitter, then you need to, you know, make that move and make that investment and spend that time and making those connections on Twitter and getting your, you know, your, your, personal learning community up professional learning community up on twitter as well yep subscribe to our uh podcast we've had people on our podcast so go ahead and like us and share us and listen to our show you can get some of that free pd for an hour and we got plenty of episodes that hit on that for sure again another commercial from the engaged podcast <laughs> appreciate that so fellas can let's, let's let's hit this last topic that we came up with that principal teacher relationship uh, it, it's so crucial. Like you can't, you know, you can't be, you know, one of the things I did want to talk about was, you know, what does it take to be a master teacher? You know, mm -hmm. we can, we can talk about, I, if, if y'all have thoughts on that, I would love to hear it. But 
you know, you can't coach or you can't lead someone if you don't have a positive relationship with them. So let's talk about that, how that impacts uh, the growth that you need to see from from a teacher or you want to see from a teacher. Boss, it's, it's the same notion you get when you tell a teacher you can't teach a kid if you don't have a relationship with them. Right. No kids going to learn. Kids don't learn from teachers they don't like. Right. I should have that, worn a shirt. Right. Man, it's that whole mantra. Right. A teacher's not going to learn from a principal they don't like. You can't push a teacher and get a teacher to grow if y'all have, haven't developed a relationship. Now, my teachers, we got a good relationship. But there are days when they probably cuss me out and badmouth me. But when they're done being mad, they know the place in my heart where it's coming from. That's different. Right. They're just, they're just mad at me because I'm pushing them and I'm on them and I'm staying on top of them and things like that. That's just holding them accountable. That's different. But when they don't have any respect for you because you're not willing to model for them or you're not willing to work alongside of them and help them develop, then there's no way that you're going to. Oh, that's the east side of nap. You cut out. That's that east nap Internet. That east side of nap, man. But I came right back, though. I think they were trying to catch me. But what I was the main part I was saying was you need to have that relationship because they they, they can be mad at you because you stand on top of them, but they can't be mad at you because you're not there to support them. Because if that's the case, they're going to tune you out. So the same thing we tell the teachers about having a relationship with their kids, we got to have that as leaders with our teachers. I mean, and I, I just echo that. I mean, it's it's that that same saying that says people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You know what I'm saying? The same thing, you know, we got to this seat because there was something we were doing in our previous role that somebody said, you know what, they will look, they can do this other role. So that means at some point you are, you are a pretty good teacher. You might not have been a master teacher, but you were a pretty good teacher. So the way I look at it is I look at my teacher as my classroom now. So I'm, how do I differentiate when I'm dealing with this teacher versus this teacher? Because this teacher might be great at, you know, knowing how to formally assess kids, but they horrible at transitions, you know? So how do I work with them at that? Well, this teacher over here might have classroom instruction down, but their classroom management is abysmal. So I need to help them in this area. So, but then we're going to provide this PD that's going to be kind of the lecture view of what we're trying to do. But then I'm going to go in and dig deeper in PLC meetings and one-on-ones with those teachers to get them to where I need them to be based on the priority or what we're trying to get done in this school or whatever like that there. But I think that that relationship piece is very important. And I'm gonna give you this, this one piece. When I was an instructional coach, the best piece of advice I got was from a second year instructional coach. They, you know, they said, what was one piece of advice you would give a new instructional coach? And they was like, when you go into that building, you have no power. So you wanna build relationships and try to win people on influence. Because if you can get somebody to do something off of influence, you never have to pay the power card. Because once you play the power card, ain't no cards left to play. So that was the one piece that I, that I took into that instructor coach role, that I took into that AP role, that I took into that principal's role, is that how do I build these relationships? And some of that is putting in that extra time, making those deposits in that bank. You know, one of the things I do every morning in my building, you know, in the morning is I walk the entire building and speak to every teacher. Even if it's just a quick good morning, how was your day? But that's that small deposit that I'm making. So then when I have to have that corrective conversation or that calibrating conversation, it's not that just like with a teacher. When you that first phone call home shouldn't be because that kid got in trouble. That first conversation that you have with that teacher should not be about their lesson going bad. Plain and simple. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think those are those are great things to identify and and understand that the, that that relationship is is so vital 
And, you know, I like where you said, Doc, that you can't drop that power card. You got to drop that influence card. And, and I think, just like you said, we were brought into these positions because we, we've done things in the past that show that we have the capability to, to lead a school effectively. And we have to display that each and every day. And it's, it's like, you know, you, I don't want to say you're, you're interviewing every day, but you're interviewing every day. And I think that goes back to our previous topics. It's like, you know, you're not just a leader at the school building. You're a leader out in the community. You're a leader when you're driving down the street and, uh, you know, speeding ticket and all those types of things. Folks are looking at you all the time. And, uh, you know, something I've, I've learned over the last, you know, couple of months, the end of this path, this school year is, you know, your, your disposition, how you carry yourself is really important. And, you, you know, you want your folks to be, uh, be able to approach you and ask questions and, and all those types of things. And sometimes, you know, there, there's teachers that you don't think need to be asking questions because they don't got their stuff together. But, you know, you as a leader, you know, you, you've got to humble yourself and, and understand, hey, you know what, part of my role is to, to help this person. And you can't be like, you know, a teacher, man, I just don't like that kid and, and, and don't, don't support them and don't give them what they need. Same thing goes with teachers. You gotta, you can't just write a teacher off. You, you've got to take the time. You got to pull out your emotions and think about it professionally because they're gonna be, they're still gonna be in front of kids. You know, depending on wh where you're at, you might not have the the ability to uh, to to not have them back next year. So um, you know, if you if you've got teachers working on tenure and things like that. Um, you know, just one thing before we finish up, before we go into the closing thoughts is thinking about, you know, what does it take to be a master teacher? And do you, do we have those qualities as, uh, as instructional leaders? I mean, do we need to have those still? Yeah, man. I don't it's know if you're any thought. Yeah. I mean, I think you, the, the constant, constant getting in the classroom, I always try lately it's been because I've had to, but I always try to teach a class, right. Just to keep, just to keep, just to stay sharp. And so I pushed myself last year and filled in for kindergarten, right? Because that was brand new. But I always try to try to push myself. And I think as principals, we got to do that work. And I'm not saying like, like teach a class for a week or, or anything like that, but just say, hey, you know what? Let me come in. Let me plan with you. Let's do a little co-teaching together. So fourth period, we're going to co-teach together. Right. Just so I can stay sharp, so I can stay constantly in there. But also, man, it builds that currency up for that teacher. So I think in order to be that master teacher or whatever, you got to do the work of teaching. Right. Like you got to actually do it. Um, and so that that's just the way I go about it. So for me, I think it's kind of three things that I, I look for in that master teacher. And a lot of it doesn't have to do with content. One is, are you reflective? Can you sit back and reflect on a lesson? reflect on an assessment, reflect on an activity and say, did you get the desired effect? The next thing is, do you have a growth mindset? After you reflect, can you make changes based on what you found out? And the last thing, you have to be data and results driven. Like, you, I mean, it, it, I, I can't stand a teacher that'd be like, well, you know, I, I taught the lesson, so, you know, it, it was a good lesson. But yeah, but only two kids got the objective at the end of the day, so it wasn't a good lesson. So, you know, I'm looking for, you know, are you reflective? Do you have a growth mindset and are you data and results driven at the end of the day? Yeah. And what are you doing if you're not getting the, the results that you need? And, you know, and that goes to that reflective piece. But, you know, how, how are you going to make adjustments? Can, can you can you do that? You know, I, I, I've gone through a bunch of different things and trying to you know, figure out, you know, is it 
Um, you know, I, I think that those teachers that are able to make the curriculum relevant to the students is really important too. And, and because, you know, the middle school level and the high school level, you know, kids are always asking the question, I don't need this, you know, what, how, how does this apply to what I'm doing next? And, and I think that, you know, those, the, the, the truly skilled teachers, you know, they make it engaging and they make it, hey, you know what? This is fun because you can take this and you can do it at home or you can use this in the future. It's practical. And, and that's a challenge. It's a, it's a challenge to, to do that. And so I think that's one thing that stands out to me um, as, as being a master teacher. And I think also um, folks that teach life lessons as well, like there's teachable moments all the time and that happen, that come up, you know, X, Y, and Z said this about me. Like, you know, are you guys have, are you having conversations with your kids to make them like good people? And I, and I think that students and that teachers that grow students that leave their class with life lessons that they can apply, uh, you know, I, I think that that is a masterful component to, uh, to being a teacher. I also want to say shout out to uh, Patricia Campbell who listened on LinkedIn. Like we doing big things. We ain't just on Facebook. We like all over the place. So shout out to the LinkedIn listeners. Welcome, Patricia. Thank you for joining us. Hey, man, I was just on a master's class before this, and they were literally talking about there is so much power in LinkedIn that people ain't tapping into. And shout out to Patricia on LinkedIn, because I think that's a market where we need to think about. That's another place for leaders, though. That's low key when it really? comes to development. I, I pulled a, a lot of gems that I'd use at a staff meeting, like, oh, I'm about to take this and on LinkedIn. So, like, again, we talked about Twitter. Doc, you talked about Twitter. But LinkedIn is another place, right? And it's not even people in our sector, right, as far as education, where I'm like, man, that's, that's really good on how to lead a team or develop people. And so, again, when you think, going tying that in, when you think about it as an instructional leader, right, like, where are you getting – where are you getting fed at and where are you getting your resources for, for, for your people? Right. And so I'm trying to I try to push my teachers in some of those same avenues. I try to put my teacher on podcast. Right. So we every I got a few teachers that listen to the eight black hands every Sunday. And we talk about that. I got some folks that listen to us and they be asking me about this topic. And so, like, we got to make sure we're doing it. That, that goes into that relationship. It also goes in. I see something. So I'm, I'm going to surround you in a virtual setting around other leaders, too, so you can learn from them. Awesome. Fellas, we're almost at, at our mark. So, you know, let's think about those final thoughts. You know, take a minute, you know, reflect on this episode or reflect on something that you've got going on um, right now, something you're looking forward to, anticipating, you know, the next week or uh, for the coming school year. So let, let's let's hear it. And uh, again, one more time, you know, shout out to everyone that's in the comments, that's listening on Facebook. Uh, Instagram and all those places on social media, LinkedIn. Let's let's tap in all those resources um, because this is we're here for y'all, and you know we're sitting here having a conversation, and we're welcoming y'all in, and we want y'all to be a part of it. So make those comments and share and like. So um, you know, let's let's, let's go, um, uh, David. We'll go with you. I'll hit second, and then Doc, he'll close us out today. Man, final thoughts. Uh, first, thank everybody for tuning in. Thank everybody for watching live. Those that's going to listen, make sure when this is over, you share with somebody who you think uh, can benefit from this. We're going to definitely get this 
uh, shared out. But I'm I'll make it short and sweet, man. I'm looking forward to the school year this year. It's going to be a, uh, an amazing year for us. Um, I'm just I can't wait. Uh, just finished New Teacher Institute. Uh, shout out to the new teachers, man. It's rookie season. So we we about to do some some big work, man. And what I'm most proud of is hire seven new teachers. All on black. Thought I would just say that. All on black. Shout out, shout out, shout out. Shout out. And man, the, the biggest, the biggest jewel. And th- those are no, and Doc, you talked about it, man. I, I am in a doctoral program going into year two. Just put out a little survey as I'm trying to um get more of my topic, but I'm looking at black male teachers in elementary schools, right? Why don't we have them? Where are they? Things like that. Man, I, I got a I got a second grade teacher that's a black male. Teaching next year, man. So it, it's about to be a game changer. He came in, new teacher institute, man, just hungry, wanting to learn, wanting to be great. Literally said to me, man, he said, we need some more. I need some more people like me. And I said, we do. I said, but it starts with you. And so I'm excited, man, to work with him. His name is Dominic Washington. Be on the lookout, man. He's going to be he's going to be a force. And so I'm just excited for that. But I'm excited for the whole rookie squad uh, at Tinley Summit next year. Congratulations, David. That's awesome. You know, I am uh, likewise, I'm fired up about this coming school year. Uh, you know, we were, as I said at the beginning, you know, we've got students that are coming on campus for the first time in over a year and a half. Uh, our sixth and seventh graders, a lot of them haven't been on campus. And so we are, uh, you know, putting together a program and hopefully we're going to do some things that are different and that are exciting and just do the beginning of the school year a little bit different to help help us transition back. And uh, I'm, I miss y'all and I love being a part of the Engage podcast. Thankful for this opportunity to share and learn and grow with you because this is, this is PD for us as well. And so thanks for everybody that's joined us and joined the community. Um, again, like, share, um, make comments so we can grow the family. Doc? And for me, man, um, first of all, shout out to everybody listening on whatever platform you're listening on. Uh, I, I think the next episode, we got to do some kind of back to school special. And I think it'd be dope if we bring on, you know, some new people in our building and, you know, get get their perspective, especially if they're newer teachers. Like I, I got um, two black teachers, you know, black male teachers coming on. One of them's an ELA teacher. Um, so I just think that'd be dope to, you know, bring some of our people on and just kind of get their thoughts as a brand new teacher in the profession. Um, and what they're expecting from the school year, things like that. So just a little thought I'm going to throw out there. But for me, the closing thought is really this year, I'm trying to work on not having a deficit mindset. Um, And it was something that I posted today by Dr. Edwards, Tracy Edwards, that says, can we all agree not to use the term learning loss in front of kids? Can we not start the upcoming year telling them they need to catch up because they're behind? That deficit framing I'm seeing everywhere is irritating my soul. Like just really, how are we framing things when we put it in front of students and our staff? Are we framing it in a negative light or are we trying to frame it in a positive light? Um, just kind of keep that in mind. That's one of the things I'm trying to really work on this year is really, you know, and not using last year as, a, as an excuse for where our kids are at. But how do we propel ourselves forward in the process? And then the last thing I ran into the one and only principal Kefele. Uh, at the airport in Denver on my way back from Cancun. And he hit me with some wisdom. That's going to be my thing all school year. I'm, I'm riding on this here. It says just one principle can completely alter the trajectory of an entire school community. So for all y'all leaders out there, like you are the change that your building needs to make a difference. So I'm going to just leave you with that there. <laughs> all right, family. Thank you so much. 
for joining us for episode 22 of the Engage podcast on instructional leadership. This is the Realist Ed Movement. Tune into that free PD. We're coming back at you next month. Peace. Go, Mop. <laughs>